0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional. Hiking and hunting boot and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the Navigator series. Now they have the women's windrows, they have the men's windrows, and then they have the Atlas the Atlas series within that as well. So go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have. I've been using mine for a couple weeks now, and I am very impressed with the, the fit and the feel. And I can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run. So lacrossefootwear.com, check them out. Happy hump day everybody and welcome back to part two of the South Dakota mule deer hunt recap and uh, today is exactly what I just said it is the second part uh, to the mule deer hunt that myself and uh, good friend Dan Spano went on and uh, we basically just pick up right where we left off at episode one so kind of a heads up if you haven't listened to episode one of the South Dakota mule deer hunt uh, podcast you need to go do that Uh, and that's just going to be the 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 podcast that was released on this feed previous to this uh, this podcast so that was part one this is part two and it's really simple we pick up right where we left off now before we uh we get to that i want to say something about prime bows real quick and um what i want to say is on this south dakota mule deer hunt my bow was on the back of my pack for most of the time except when you know we were making our stocks and, and i I'll, I'll tell you what um i set my back my back or my pack down hard uh, a couple times, uh, and I scuffed up a cam. And uh, you know, I was leaning against it, you know, on some of these uh, inclines, we had to go in through some brush and got caught on the bow and pulled and stuff. And every night, uh, I drew my bow back, and it felt fine. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, just from my experience using prime bows, I can tell you right now that they are a very durable bow that can take an ass kicking and still perform at the highest level so and I say this with uh, anything but the next time you decide to go purchase a bow I really think that you should go find a prime dealer and give them a shot before you decide to purchase any other bow so um, this year I was using the Logic CT3 and uh, the previous year I was using the just the plain logic a huge fan of those bows love the draw cycle uh, and I really think that you guys should give them uh, give them a shot before you you know when making your decision on your next bow other than that you can find out a ton more information on primearchery.com take a look at all the uh, bows that they offer and read up a little bit about the company too and uh, you know educate yourself on uh on their equipment and i think you're going to be happy with what you find so uh primearchery.com now let's get right back in to this part two of the south dakota mule deer hunt episode all right now we're ready <clears throat> all right so we're back here now and this is part two of the uh of the south dakota mule deer hunt episode and i'm back again with mr dan spano you are back in new york and the first question i have for you is has has that trip that we just took uh took kind of sunk in yet
1: it has but it still feels like it feels like foggy for some reason it feels like there's like the whole story is there i can see it everything happening but almost like a dream yeah like you're you're kind of like in la la land, you know. Oh. Like that—that that, for those that five, six days we were there. But um, it's kind of settling in now. Like I, I got some meat in my sous vide right now that I'm going to have tonight for dinner, and I think once I start doing that, it's going to be uh, it's going to become a full circle for me. So, right.
0: right, I uh I made a bowl of chili with some of the hamburger that you gave me, and uh, it turned out really well. I mean, obviously it's chili, so it's not like you're you're uh, adding. You know, you're you're getting to taste the full flavor of the meat, but I I used it, and for some reason, it just tasted better because we packed out, packed it out. <laughs>
1: that's that's my, uh, that's what I'm kind of hoping for tonight to get like more of an appreciation of it because you know the, the amount of work that went into it. So right, I'm I'm looking forward to taking that first cut, that first bite
0: tonight. So. Right, so. That's where we kind of left off. And I just want to quick finish up on the pack out before we move to the rest of the story. And, you know, I was talking to another guy uh, earlier today and uh, I I was talking about the whole pack out with him. And I was talking to him about how uh, we didn't really celebrate the kill until we got the meat back into the cooler in your truck. And I thought that was something really, really awesome because it was like, we had to take care of business first, then we could celebrate.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, man. Like there was a bunch of work had to get done after you pull that trigger to make sure that meat is, is golden. It wasn't 90 degrees, but it was 70 Yeah. and it was hot. It went, you know, for that. And, and you don't want to go all the way out there um, for me, it was 24 hours one way and come back and the meat's bad. It's just right. it's not respecting the animal. It's just not – you're not doing your job. And our job is to make sure that meat is meat's done well and, and taken care of and doing all those processes. And you're right. We didn't really celebrate until we got back to the truck because there was work to be done. So, right. yeah, it, you got to do what you got to do first and then celebrate later.
0: So, so uh, one thing that uh, – like. I don't know about you, I want to hear your side of this too, but one of the most rewarding and satisfying moments in my entire hunting career thus far uh, has been finishing that three and a half mile pack out. And uh, I was, admittedly, I was getting emotional at the end of it uh, just because of the physical the physical strain it put on our bodies, but also you have to be mentally equipped to do something like that because there's a lot of people out there in life. uh, And we talked about this when we got back to this truck that you ask them to walk three and a half miles with a hundred pounds on their back. There is a lot of people in this world that would give up, would have given up uh, at some point on that on that uh, on that hike. And I, I get, I got back to where we took our packs off, and, uh, you know, I, we took our packs off and I, I couldn't balance. I had lost my balance because I, my body was adjusting for the hundred pounds that was on my back. So I had to lay down on, on the ground and I look over and you're walking like a pirate bow legged and just <laughs> like, like both your legs were broken off at that point, uh, as you were walking to go get the truck. And it just felt extremely satisfying and i got emotional in that at that point where i i accomplished something that was extremely demanding and it was something that i've never done before but the cool thing about it is that i've done it now and i know i can do it next time too so what, like what did you feel what were like once you dropped the pack and you had just accomplished this physical and mental feat what was kind of running through your head
1: Yeah. I mean, as soon as that pack at the dirt, like you said, I was, I was staggering. Um, and then, you know, jokingly, I I had to go back and get the truck another 200 yards. I'm like, ah, crap, I got to keep going. But, (laughs) but, uh, but, but more on a a serious level. I mean, you're right. I mean, I've got a bunch of confidence now that, you know, even though it was two guys doing it, it just, I feel like I've got a bunch of confidence where I can go out and, probably do this myself if I wanted to or with a buddy. I can, you know, we can make it, we can make it work, you know, and, and the amount of effort that was put into it, um, into the whole pack out and the mentally draining of, and just telling yourself to keep going and keep going. I'm telling you, you like almost turn a chapter to where you you feel stronger as a person. Like I I, I, looking at projects now around my house, I just feel like I, I got this, I can do it. You know, if I can do that, I can do this, you know? So it's like, I just feel like it's an overall big, huge confidence booster t- to me. Um, and it's, it's mentally put me in a stronger spot to where, yeah, we're talking about packing out an animal. Yeah. You know, big deal, but a uh, big picture it's, it's again, it just makes me feel like I can almost take on the world. Like it's very empowering um, to me. It was anyway. And, you know, I think when you sent me that picture of the packs on the ground and kind of like the work was done, like you said for yourself, um, and also for me, I think that's one of the best photos of the trip. <laughs> is yeah. seeing that work sitting there in the ground and the satisfaction and the whole thing getting it done. The emotions going over you, you know. So um, that photo was by far the best, and and the whole that whole thing was something to remember. I'm I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of you, Um, of doing it. And it's just I can, the the words are hard to explain. It's just an awesome feeling just to to get that you know to get that past us and and get that experience of doing it
0: so yeah, yeah absolutely um I, I, yeah same proud feeling proud of yourself and, and uh uh if i know there's people out there who have experienced it and maybe they've experienced it uh, quite a few times like a, a big heavy pack out um, but for those who haven't it it sucks but it's something that's like you got to do it at least once in your life so if if you have never gone out and done some kind of pack out or just try to, try to accomplish that in your life. And I, it's like, I got a little notch on my man card that day. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I hear you there. That's, that's a good way to put it right there. (laughs) All
0: right. So Uh, we finished this pack out. We felt like men, um, you know, we, we got the, you know, we got everything back in the cooler. And we got to, uh, uh, you know, it's like okay, now we got to go into town and get some get this uh, meat on ice so that to, in the morning we can take it to the uh, to the taxiderm or to the to the processor and get the head to the taxidermist. So we were sitting there talking, and it's just like, man, I don't even want to go back to camp tonight because that's just another hour hike into uh, the wilderness uh, just so we can hike another hour back out and take the meat. And, you know, there's a, there's a, an hour and a half round trip drive that's in front of us as well. So we decided to get a hotel room and, uh, so we were right in town for, you know, as soon as the processor opened, we were there dropping it off and, uh, you know, just to, just to cut time, we, uh, on, on this whole story here, we got the, uh, got the meat dropped off. We went, uh, and, uh drop the head off at a taxidermist and my question to you is, is this the first head that you've ever shoulder mounted?
1: No, it's not. It's um not. I've had I've got I think just two. Uh I think I've got two um shoulder mounted. This will be the third and this will be the biggest. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean I don't know if we said it in the previous uh show or not, but it was you know, six and a half years old, I, yeah. us looking at it, I, th- I think I would have said four and a half or five and a half, but six and a half years old, it just blew me away on uh, yeah. how old it was, you know, it's yeah. just, um, being able to outsmart that, being able to outsmart that, uh, that deer the way we did was, was also another notch in a man card, I think yeah. <laughs> as well, you know, yeah. so,
0: you know but anyway, strategy and a little bit of luck kind of played its role yeah. in the harvest in the harvest of that animal. And um I think we were driving we were driving back into camp that after we dropped it off, right? And the, the taxidermist sent us uh or sent you a text that said it's uh six and a half years old and it scored like one fifty one and three eighths, I think, something like that.
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: Yep. So Yeah, Yeah. and uh so we kind of got some some closure on how old that deer was and and that's uh that's something that we talked about you know we're like we just beat a six-year-old deer the for the first time ever on a spot and stock hunt and you know like typically if a white-tailed buck lives to six years old um it's uh it's a smart animal and it's been it's had close encounters over that past six years either with hunters or predators or cars or whatever so there's some very canny animals you know that are are able to make decisions and one thing that i uh, I, i'm pretty sure that we uh, we talked about it on the first uh on the first episode but this buck came down off the hill and went around this rock formation three different times before it decided to drop down into the drainage where we eventually shot it so it was it was awesome to watch it use its brain to basically look around and see if there was any danger there. Like it was scouting for danger as opposed to just reacting to danger. And that's something that you don't get to see very often here in, uh, you know, in the Midwest, like a a deer basically just circles down wind before it goes into its bed. There, he wasn't just circling downwind. He was getting high. He was looking around. He dropped back down, looked around, and you know, being able to learn, like he knew his surroundings. And I, I bet you he he's done that a hundred times before uh, to to get to a location where he where he felt safe. So that was pretty interesting. Now we got the meat to the processor. We got the head to the taxidermist and then you know throughout that day we kind of made the decision to tear down camp uh, and kind of take a back door into this big 33,000 acre uh, piece of public right so what we were doing yeah. what we were doing was we were hoping that with this big weather change that was coming through we were gonna try to make something happen in uh, in like a day was it like a day and a half we had left before uh, before we actually had to leave and That was actually like less than twenty four hours I think
1: yeah it was a it was, uh, was going to be a tight window because the weather was supposed to change that was that like Tuesday we right. got to that other side and by Wednesday afternoon they were
0: talking about some some winds coming in and whatnot so yeah and like winds and. Uh, What was it? Six to eight inches of snow, 60 mile an hour winds that were going to result in a temperature of zero degrees. And um, so, you know, we were sitting there and we were deciding what to do. And I think we both made the right decision when we said, dude, we just need to leave because we did not have the equipment necessary to have you know hunt in those type of conditions i mean especially as far back as we were going and up these hills and down these hills you know you start adding snow into the mix uh now we're having to wear heavier boots Uh, we're not being able to go as far and it was almost like you know if you're sitting here weighing the odds i'm all about grinding till you die but i'm also about being realistic and and being able to do what we had to do uh, it, you know if, if we were able to hunt out of a house or a cabin maybe we could have stayed a little bit longer but even then just getting to a point to where we could walk in and start chasing these animals I don't know if our the truck that we had uh, would have made it up some of these hills and on these dirt roads that were already kind of sloppy no
1: I, I totally agree with you and, and it, it came to the point of Do we just, like you said, do we grind it out or do we just say, you know what, let's get this, let's put our most effort, get some rest, put the most effort into this next spot and, and
0: see what manifests out of it. And, um, yeah, kind of went from there. Right. So So we, we backdoor this, uh, this big piece of uh, public, you know, go up the, go through the back roads and, uh, get to a parking spot and, uh I think we decided that you know regardless of what happens we were just going to sleep in the bed of the truck pull all the gear out set it out outside and just sleep in the bed of the truck that way we weren't having to mess up setting tents that cold snap was coming in the middle of the night the wind was going to be coming coming in the middle of the night and long story short I'm glad we did it but uh the wind had kind of kind of already picked up at that point and uh, you know just wanted to shoot my bow a couple more times, you know, because of the pack out. Uh it was kinda cool. I, I'm sure you felt relieved you didn't have to take a bow in or any additional gear. The only thing you really had to take in was uh, I think you carried the spotting scope. So that uh that seemed like a pretty chill hike for you.
1: Yeah, spotting scope and just, you know, game bags and and then a kill kit, and that's all I, and a puffy, jacket. a puffy jacket. That's all I had and some water. Right. And some cliff bars now. Right. Cliff bars, cliff bars are bars. key. So. Right.
0: <laughs> Fifty cliff bars in three days, yeah, man <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. anyway, <laughs> so yeah, oh, man, uh, so here we are, uh, it's now it's like what seventy seventy five degrees, so it was pretty warm, and uh, yeah. we're hiking in for that evening hunt, and the goal of this this evening hunt was not even to shoot or kill anything, but it was to kind of get a glassing location and watch them come out of the drainage up on the flats and then kind of kind of uh, uh, the next morning get in between the, those drainages and where these deer were coming out to feed in hopes of maybe cutting something off and getting a kind of a chip shot as they're walking through some of these uh, trees and some of these drainages. And, uh, so we start, you know, we start our hike in, uh, I think we, we bumped a couple of deer going on the way in, right? Uh, right off the, yeah, right off the bat. Some,
1: yes. Some whitetails, I believe we, we bumped
0: some whitetail does going in. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah. So, so we had some whitetail does, uh, that we bump and then, you know, we, we get to, uh, this fence line, which is like the official, I guess the the actual wilderness to where you can't, you know, you you can't uh, drive any vehicles in there. So everything was from foot from the parking area. And so our goal was to go, what, like two miles back in there, two and a half miles back in there and glass, then turn around and and hike two and a half miles back to the truck. Well, we go down into a little creek system, pop up, uh, it's flat for a while, hop that fence, and then, um, hike up on you know hike back up onto the flats again and out of the corner of my eye i noticed something flicker and i was like what is that and i look and in the shadows of one of these hills was a mule deer a mule deer i couldn't tell if it was a mule deer buck so i think what did i say to you I was just like you just, you just
1: you just you just said keep keep walking get your hand keep walking I was like, all right no problem keep <laughs> keep walking and and uh you come, you put your binos up and you just spot it. You keep walking towards me like nothing happened. And, yeah.
0: and you, we, we had something going here. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was crazy because what I've realized it and, you know, you know, when we were tracking this deer, eventually, you know, eventually we track him, but these deer will let you walk by until you stop. If you stop. Then they start getting spooked, and then they'll run. But if you walk by them, they assume that you never saw them. And that's exactly what happened. This this buck saw both of us, and we were walking – And we just, I put my binos up for a split second, identified it was a a mule deer. And it was a mule deer buck. Didn't really know how big he was. I just, and that was the goal, right? I mean, we wanted to shoot another deer before it was time to leave. I didn't care if it was a doe or a spike or whatever. I just wanted a legal animal. And uh, so I said, keep walking, keep walking. And I saw he was a buck. And so we, we walked out of his sight line. And then from there it was on. Right. I mean, it was we know where he's betting and then me and you were kind of putting the game plan together of, OK, here's how we need to stock in. Uh, Dan, you're going to stay here and you're going to watch. So if he if he busts out, you, you might have a good shot of, you know, where you know, where he's going to go. And yeah. so I started I started the stock. And the wind was kind of coming in our face. He was in the shade of the hill, and the wind was blowing over the hill, right down to him. Just like what you see on these YouTube videos, right? Like a, a guy glassing watches a buck go to bed and then they come up over the hill and they shoot him. And uh that was that was my goal on this whole on this on this stock. And the wind was blowing really good. It was consistent in one direction. Uh so I dropped my pack and I I i see, I dropped my pack, I have my binos on, I have a wind checker and my rangefinder and my bow and that's it. And I loop all the way around. Probably from where he's bedded, I I looped probably three hundred yards like we were continuing to go to our glassing spot. Then I took a hard left turn and then I got in because I didn't want him to see me kind of sneaking up. So I, I just made sure I went Extra distance away from where he was bedded, looped back around, and then started making my way towards this little hill that he was uh, bedded bedded on. And I I was walking at a good pace until I started getting to about a hundred yards from where he was bedding, and then I pulled out my range finder and I was ranging like uh, little terrain features, or I was ranging a bush or a tuft of grass, and I said, okay it wasn't, I I needed to make it hundred yards. I started talking to myself in smaller terms. I need to make it 10 yards. So I would focus on going 10 yards at a time and then another 10 yards and then make it to these, you know, micro adjust based off the wind direction and micro adjust based off of where I think he was. And the wind was covering up my scent uh, or not my scent, but the wind was covering up the noise for a while until I got to about 40 yards and about forty yards from this, from the top of this crest to where I could potentially start seeing him, I took off my binos because I'm like hey, at this point it's pointless to have these. Uh, I left the wind checker there with my binos, and I set them down, and I started started creeping, and then the wind just shut off, and I like every every noise was amplified at this point. And yeah. I was basically, every step was not just taking a step, but it was stand on one leg and then you feel your boot touch the tips of the grass and then you just slowly lower it just as softly as possible until all your weight is on that foot and then you slowly pick the other one up and you do that. And I it took me... To cover that last 40 yards to get to the ridge, to the to the top of the hill to where I could potentially start seeing down on him. 40 yards took me about 30 minutes, maybe even a little bit longer. Because I disappeared from your, I could see you the whole way until I went down. And I disappeared from your sight. I couldn't see you, you couldn't see me for about 45 minutes, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I hope we didn't go on a different, on a different route or something. Like yeah. we we got mixed up, you know what I mean? But yeah. but yeah, no, you were moving at a snail's pace because, like you said, that wind just went to nothing, and I was, I had my wind indicator make sure that I wasn't going to mess up anything, and I couldn't see the deer where I was. I did not want to get visual of anything. I just wanted to, hopefully, you were going to pop up soon, and we we're going to go from there. And yeah.
0: So. So. I start, I, I start able to see the, that the backside of this hill, my wind is still consistent. So I was feeling very comfortable with what direction my wind was going. And God knows that I, I stunk. Like I know because I hadn't taken a shower uh, since I, well, my clothes stunk, I should say. Cause we took a shower that morning, but man, my, my clothes had blood on it. It was just, it, I wore it every day. So if, if uh a whitetail or a mule deer got a whiff of it, they would have ran and luckily they didn't. But I'm getting to the top of this ridge, I can start seeing the shaded side of the hill. So I knew I was close, right? So I keep and and by now I'm I'm not I'm not taking steps. I'm basically taking half steps where I'm taking my right leg even with my left leg or my, my right foot even with my left foot and then I'm I'm gaining Distance with my left foot doing that same thing. Picking up real quiet. Get into the top. And I'm on this ridge line and I'm I'm peeking over. I'm peeking over. And now I see a little movement. So I pull up my range finder and I'm ranging this bush and I see antlers. Right? And I can see his antlers. So finally I have a I can see where he's at now I can just see his antlers but that tells me that I know you know he's right down below us and by this time this is crazy I can hear him panting <laughs> like breathing I can hear this this animal breathing it's that's how quiet it is so I take one little step up yet and I pull the rangefinder out and I range the back of his head because he's he's laying down uh, almost like 45 degrees maybe a little bit more uh, away from me like quartering away from me his his ears are pinned back and then his his head is looking straight away from me so I just see the back of his head range 37 yards to the back of his head and I, I'm like okay I need to take these next couple steps very carefully because I am skylined at this point and I just he probably can't see a ton of me but and the sun's to my back, so if he looks up, he might get he might he'd just see a shadow at that point. But he he looked calm, his body language was calm, and so I took another little step. Okay, now I can see the back of his neck. Alright, so now I'm to the point where I range one more time. I think it was like thirty seven yards still um, to the back of his neck. And I said, Okay, I'm gonna put I'm basically gonna put the forty pin. I'm going to use my 40-yard pin to uh, to shoot this deer. But I can't, like, at this angle, I'm only going to be able to get one lung, right? And maybe if I'm lucky, I'll, I'll hit his heart, but one lung. And I'm taking these little steps, just a little bit, little step, little step, little step, and finally I can see his body, and not all of his body, just from, like, I don't know. You cut a you cut a deer's body in half, and the rest was behind some grass, and the re- other, and he was still bedded down. So now it's time to where I need to get my feet underneath me so I can make this shot, right? So I kind of crouch. It's like I crouched down just a hair, stable my feet, and as I I go to stable my feet, there's a click in a rock or my foot like makes two rocks kind of shift together and it makes kind of a click noise and his ears perk way back. His head doesn't, his head kind of turns back, but I watched his body language kind of go from totally relaxed to I'm tense now. Like what happened? What happened? And then he, I think he stood up after that. And so now I can see his whole body, right? From his shoulders all the way to his rear end and his tail. And that was kind of a good thing. And then, so I was I was wanting to draw, but his head was kind of like looking over his shoulder. Not like a hard look, but kind of looking to the right again. And then he kind of calmed down again. But, so then I drew back. And again, I'm shooting almost straight down on this animal. And... I'm trying to get my 40 yard pin. And now at this angle, I was putting my pin a little bit behind the shoulder, but a little higher on the body because at the angle, my like my goal was I wanted that arrow to come out at uh, right in between his front legs, right? So I draw back, I'm setting I set anchor and I go hold, hold, hold. And that's, so that's my, uh, that's my like shot sequence. Hold, 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 squeeze. And that's, that's what I say to myself every time I, uh, every time I shoot. And as I'm, as I get this, uh, centered and as I'm going through my shot uh, sequence, going to squeeze, he, he shifts his legs and his whole body shifts backwards And I can see it through my sight casing, but it's too late because I've already pulled the trigger on. Like, I'm in the process of pulling the trigger, and the arrow goes off, and his whole body shifts backwards. It was almost like he stood up out of his bed but never adjusted his feet. He was still in that bedded stance, whatever. And then as I pull the trigger, he takes his back legs move backwards and his whole body kind of shifts backwards and recenters itself but by that time I'd already like I was already pulling the trigger back and so the arrow went higher on the body still kind of above the shoulder but higher on the body than what I wanted it to and it wasn't like a slam dunk shot at that point so he he kind of jumps down he jumps up the other side of the this little um, low spot, and I can instantly see blood coming out of him. And uh, uh, what, like you saw me do that? You you were from from your perspective. What did it look like? Could you even see him at that point? I
1: uh, I can see zero deer. All I can see was about half a your body, waist up. I saw you draw. Saw you release. And then I I basically sprinted to where I could hopefully see something and help you out with with visual. Yeah. And then I, the deer went over the hill, and I just hauled ass to that point to see if I can to see what I can see, you know, blood, whatever it might right. be, and and cut the binos up, and and uh, I saw blood through binos. It's just when that deer is running like basically straight away from you, right? I, I couldn't I couldn't really tell where you had hit him. Right. until we had spoke, you know. Yeah. So um I saw red. I just didn't know where it was coming from or what kind of hit it was. But, right. but yeah, so going back to your part of it. Like what did you see after after you pulled that trigger? Like what did you see? You ran you, Did you run across that little gully there? Well, I ran, first. I ran up lower.
0: I ran up to the top of that hill and like I I stood still as he kind of ran away and then as he's broadside sit, like, you know, that he did those mule deer bounces that they do, right. Where they were, they kind of bounce. He did three of those and then he stopped and started walking. And that's when I s- started seeing the blood kind of uh, come out of him. So I thought in my head, man, I got one lung. I got, I got just the top end of one of those lungs. And that's mm-hmm. to me, that's a, you know, that's a decent shot. Like you want to shoot a lung and, and so I that's what I felt anyway. I felt there was one long I found I found blood right away. I looked at the arrow, there was blood on it and there was some meat on it and which is expected at that angle and I think what what happened it came up out of the neck. Uh so I hit him above the shoulder but it ended up going a little bit higher on the shoulder and out the the front of his neck a little bit so there was some meat on it as well. But the blood that I saw coming out of him was—I felt really good. I was able to find blood when I, when I went down the drainage. I followed to where you, where I saw, where I lost him, and I was following uh, a blood trail there as well. And then you know, and now I, uh, I look. I'm closer to you, so I look up to you and I start talking to you, and you're like, I can see him. And I think by then you had already gone back and got the spotting scope, and yeah. uh, were trying to locate him. So I was I was glassing him. He and what he he ran out of that little drainage area. He ran across the flat, dipped down into another drainage, and um, and and then by that time uh, I was on the same uh, what I was on the same drainage as you. At that point, or at the on the same point as you, right?
1: Yeah, same point as me, and we, we could see him, but he went down into that gully, and there was two does that came out of that gully that kept looking backward. So I'm like, "Oh man, he's got to be." Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking, like watching those does' reaction, like looking back, like gazing into that basin. Like I think he might be down. You know, like yeah. he, they usually don't stand there staring. You know what I mean? Like Something's going on, but we can't see what's going on, you know? Right. So you and I, we're like bino in like crazy trying to see what's going on. And all of a sudden I see him kind of, uh, he kind of peeks out of that little corner and goes through those little pines and he doesn't look good. You know, he looks like he's, I remember telling myself, dude, go down. Go yeah, down, just right. go down. You'll be all right. Just go down. You know what I mean? Like just lay I'm talking to myself. Yeah. Just lay down. Yeah. You know. So. And he was um, shaking his then,
0: his back his his tail was shaking, right? Yeah. Um, I yeah. felt like his legs back legs were getting unsturdy, and mm-hmm. he w- he just didn't look good. His head kept falling. His front head kept falling down. But every time his head fell down, he started shaking his head, and then it was like that gave him a little boost of energy or confidence. And then he trotted off a little bit. And then his same thing. It's like, he was getting drought like woozy. And then he shook his head and then he trotted and he eventually trotted out of that drainage back up onto the flats. And, yeah, and I don't know who ever had the, the spotting scope first, but we, we located him with a spotting scope while he was up on the flats and it was no, by this time there was blood all over you. It was, it was easy even through the binos. It was easy to tell that there was blood coming out of him, and it was covering a lot of his side. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. You can, you can definitely see it with the see
0: it almost with your naked eye, but you're talking a mile
1: and a half away. But with definitely with the binos, you, you can you could pick up some stuff, and that that made me think like, man, this guy's this guy's a beast. Like, go down. Like I keep I kept telling myself, go down, go down, go down, that's you know a, a mile and a half in the woods. Is a real long way, yeah. But a mile and a half in that open area, it's not really that far, you know. No. So, in, in in my mind, trying to calculate everything, man, it has got to be a mile. He's got to go down soon. I kept, I kept trying to tell myself, like, go down, go down, go down. But, um, but yeah, he he went down. He he went down that little, uh, that little draw, right? And then we just kind of lost him
0: from there. Right, right. right. So so. The grass is waist high in some points, uh, knee to waist high. And for you know, for those of you who have, uh, you know, a lot of you guys who are listening to this right now can probably relate, shooting a deer, regardless of how you hit him, and trying to track him through a CRP field, it's hard. Like, tracking a deer through grass, uh, brown grass, tall brown grass, knee to waist high, is not an easy task, and uh, so. I just saw that blood, and I was like, oh, dude, he's just we're going to find him in that drainage where we lost him. So instead of going straight to that drainage, uh, we kind of decided, hey, let's drop down into the same route that he took. He stood still for a handful of minutes in a couple spots. I want to try to find those spots, and I want to see how bad he's bleeding Um, because, like I said, it was a complete pass-through. I hit him, and the arrow went all the way through him and stuck in the dirt on the opposite side. And so we did, we, we walked all the way over there and I found a good pile of blood, probably the size, uh, bright red blood, probably the size of, uh, I don't know, uh, soft, bigger than a softball, smaller than a basketball where he had stood for a period of time. And so that tells me he's bleeding really good, you know, and he just ran a mile. So, I'm thinking at this point, game's over, right? I mean, we're going to go down into this, uh, into this drainage and we're going to, this small little drainage and we're going to find him. Well, we do that. We kind of, we're kind of spread out looking for some blood uh, after we get out of this drainage and we're in that grass again and we can't really find anything. And uh, he's headed towards a, towards this drainage, disappears, we follow to the drainage and this is where it kind of gets weird uh, on a couple of reasons. And, and I say this now after having time to think about it. I think maybe one of, there's, there's so many different things that could have potentially happened from the time we lost sight of him to the time we were able to get permission to hop that fence and go in after him. Uh, and I don't know if maybe we pushed him when we dropped down into that drainage uh, to look for him. And by that time, it was dark. So we were having to use our headlamps to navigate and, uh, I, I don't know if we pushed him maybe out of there, uh, but we mm-hmm. could not cross the fence to where we thought he jumped. Now, he never came out of that, uh, drainage. And, uh, so we had to make a decision. Uh, let's go up top and look for him. Or and I, I know we both were thinking, man, I think he jumped, he jumped this fence and he did. He, uh, Uh, Long story short, he jumped the fence, but uh, we didn't know that until the next morning. Now, unlike the state of Iowa, I don't know what the rules are in New York, but in Iowa, if I shoot a deer and it hops onto a neighboring property, I have permission to go and follow that deer and recover my game. In South Dakota, you do not have permission. You have to get the landowner's permission to hop the fence to chase, you know, chase the game uh so we head back to the truck there's nothing we can do we head back to the truck and we start looking on onyx for the landowners we're trying to find telephone numbers we're trying to get in contact with uh the dnr i got people uh you know i got people reaching out to me and uh saying hey man you need to call the dnr and you need to do this you need to do this and uh Unfortunately, we couldn't find any type of permission uh, to get on that property that night, which, in hindsight, was probably a good thing. Um, no, kind of knowing what we know now about the the whole track job, but uh, I I really do, I really do think that uh, a we bumped him, and what I'll tell you now is we went back to the truck, and the truck, um, you know, we slept in the back of the truck that night. The wind the temperatures dropped, the wind picked up, and then we started hearing coyotes. So yeah. I don't know if potentially the coyotes got to, you know, bumped him or it was just a one lung hit and he decided he's not going to die off a one lung hit, or maybe we were too aggressive in our tracking, but kind of long story short, man, how many, we, we, we drove we got permission to hop the fence, and we started. We started looking for blood, and uh, man, we found some blood. This is this is the short version of the story because we eventually grid searched and binod, coolies and drainages. Like, how many acres do you think we looked in? Thousands.
1: Thousands. I know my. I wore a Fitbit, and we probably that second day of tracking, we did probably close to anywhere from ten to twelve miles grid search and uh, cut everywhere which went between the private land we got permission to go on and the public as well and we scrubbed we scrubbed that as best as we could before that storm was going to hit you know um and i mean we crossed you, you crossed uh, uh uh the creek because mm-hmm. um, you saw some crows flying we thought maybe uh we can go over there maybe we can find a carcass or something and but yeah, we we did not. We did the best we could for what time frame we had yeah. to, to try to find and recover that animal,
0: yeah. you know. And uh, we looked um, for him for 7
1: hours, I think it was. Yeah, easy 7 hours for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So we were, we were looking for looking for this animal for 7 hours. I mean, we we walked through certain parts, you know, multiple times and we did we did a, end up finding blood after he jumped the fence. And kind of, I don't know, uh, just kind of took it slow at that point. And we saw we saw where it looked like he dropped down to a knee. His front leg yeah. went all the way down. He put his, his elbow, I guess you would call it, into the dirt. And there was a couple spots of blood over in that area. But then, you know, again, he walks into this waist-high grass and... It was like, that's where he was going to try to bed down. And I don't know if we bumped him or those coyotes bumped him, uh, but he just was not found. And, um, I, it was just frustrating because I just felt that what I did with my arrow, I like, I feel like with the blood that we saw, I hit one lung and, uh, you know, you hear stories about deer that survive after getting hit on, only one lung, one lung shots. Uh, so then it obviously you start, you start thinking, right. I'm, I'm laying there in bed that night and I'm going, okay, did I really hit a lung? Did I hit him in his neck? Did I hit him, you know, too high? hide? It all meat. What was the angle? Like, Oh, did we bump him? Like all these negative thoughts start, start running through my head. And at that point it's just like, all right, it's time to put the miles on the boots and it's time to, you know, grid, start grid searching and, and, unfortunately that's what we had to uh that's what we had to do yeah
1: yeah i mean it's it's
0: it's
1: kind of shitty going from such high highs Mm -hmm. that one day to to such low like you get knocked down a peg like this is reality man you're hunting a wild animal um it's not always a storybook ending you know and unfortunately that's that's what happened here and and we can we can second guess ourselves, you know, all the way till you know till eternity. But um, we did what we did, and we did the best we could to try and recover the animal in the time frame we had. So, yeah, um, yeah it, you know, it, it sucks, um, but we did every. I, I think we did everything we did, that we could to to recover it. And you know, you took the best shot you felt you took. You know, you thought it was a good a good shot, yeah. and and you can't control that animal making a step back or a step forward or, cause once that arrow releases at 40 yards or 37 yards, it's, you know, it could be a second until it gets there and a lot happens in a second, you know, and you, yeah. we can't control that as bow hunters. Yeah. So the animal, mother nature can, mother nature takes that, takes control after that. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We,
1: we learned a lot. We learned a lot. And, you know, I think you learned a lot as well.
0: So. Yeah. That's a fact, man. Definitely an education because, you know, maybe there was something I should have done different next time, but I don't know if you can really control that. I was going through my shot sequence and I was pulling the trigger as he shifted backwards and it would have taken like some act of God to uns, like basically stop my finger from, from squeezing. You know, it's that muscle memory you know what i mean you're, yeah. you're you're practicing that all summer but at that point you know we've accepted defeat and there was a combination of there's a, there's a combination of things that are running through my head at this point and one of them is this cold fronts come come through and this cold front has kind of made up the decision for us like okay we're we're going home because of this nasty weather coming. But at the same time, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, man, I am not going to hunt anymore after this. Because I felt like I wounded this animal enough to where, you know, who knows of what's going to happen. But I think it's going to die. I think this animal is going to end up dying because of this the the shot that I put on it. So at that point, it is a... I feel like I should punch my tag and go home anyway, even if the weather was, was, uh, nice. I, you know, I, I don't know. I just felt, I, that's just kind of what I felt. It's not my state. It's not necessarily quote unquote, my animal. I feel like, you know, I, I'm a guest of that state. I'm a guest of those lands. And, um, I, I should probably, even if the weather was good and we, we, we didn't have to leave. I I feel like I probably would have just hung it up there because I got my opportunity, and more than likely that animal's gonna die, and then I I should punch my tag because of that. Um, what? Let me let me get your opinion on that. What like if if instead of the opposite happening, where you drilled this giant and he died in sight, it's the same thing happened to you. Would you punch your tag or would you keep hunting? I
1: think I would probably punch my tag because, um, you know, it's hard to say it now because we, we've experienced both, you know? So, um, but I think hearing, you know, the role models of of the particular, you know, hunting industry, like Randy Newberg and all those folks, like if you take a shot and it's not what you thought it was, and it's probably going to kill that animal fatally, then you, probably should punch your tag because you've just had the opportunity and you just basically, you didn't mess it up, but something happened, you know, whether, whatever that sequence happened, whatever that, you know, that looks like, um, I, I think maturing as an adult kind of makes you do that, you know, yeah. like not saying, not saying younger folks, you know, don't do that. But I'm, I'm just saying, like thinking of a big picture, like what is fair, you know what is what what should be done like you had the opportunity Um, we did everything we can let's go ahead and probably punch this tag and 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 call it a day you know it's just not it it, no longer we know now it's just i don't think it would have been in good character or whatever it it just i i would have felt funny myself that that was like you said if it was reversed i would have felt funny like knowing i i flung an arrow at something and 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 maybe it's still alive, but maybe it's dead, you know? So I, I, I would be in the same shoes you are and, and probably punching that tag as well, for yeah. sure. I,
0: so, I, I felt like, you know, I had my opportunity. I got, I, I did not capitalize on it or, you know, or just bad luck just kind of cast to the wayside. But yeah, I, I feel like I had my opportunity and now I need to, I need to quit. I need to go back home, but But that's it, man. I mean, like, I just felt like shit the rest of the day. And I think as oftentimes happens, whenever you miss a deer, wound a deer, can't recover a deer, you just feel like garbage after a while. And, um, I don't know. I just, anyway. So, you know, we, I mean, it is literally starting to snow and rain and sleet as we're walking back to the truck after we've called it quits. And, um. You know, aside from a little uh, somebody losing their cell phone and having to take a uh, a short break <laughs> to try to find it, we uh, I don't know
1: I don't know who that was, some, <laughs> jerk. some jerk with the last name Spano yeah, so,
0: lost his cell phone, but so uh, but yeah, so uh, so boy. we head back into we head back into town and pick up the meat, man, and uh uh, it's time it's time to head back. It's it's Time to get back to reality. And um, so last thing I kind of want to ask you, Dan, is overall, just like, like, what did you think about this trip?
1: It was uh, a trip of a lifetime for me. Like, it was, I'm having a hard time finding the right words to describe it. Like, we learned a lot. We had highs, we had lows, it was badass, awesome. we punched our man card a couple of times. You know what I mean? It right. was like, overall, it was just like an, it was an awesome experience and I just wish like more people would just take advantage of it and just do it. Like, just do it. Like get off your ass, go with a buddy or whatever it, that looks like and just seriously experience it and just get out there. I mean, it's like, I feel like I'm, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, Steve Rinella or anything like that. I'm just a normal dude from New York and got lucky enough to go on this, on this deal. And and I just feel like it's changed me. It's like, I feel like a different, almost a different hunter. Now it's like, I have learned so much from you, from the animal themselves. And just an awesome trip. And I just encourage everybody to just take advantage of public land when you can and get out there and do it. It's just, I had an, I keep saying it, but I had an awesome time. It was like, you know, we only really hunted for two or three days it was a badass awesome time <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. um and i more people i just wish more people would experience it and if you don't like it you don't like it you know it's fine but just get out there and
0: experience it it's it's blast it's really is a blast you know right um i think uh, i think one thing that i really took away from this whole trip is is the is the i don't know like the views, right? I mean, just sitting on top and glassing and being able, able to see forever and just experiencing a new terrain, new features, like all this, all the, everything about this trip was new for us. You know, we were camping out of a tent. We had to figure out, you know, how we were going to eat. We had to figure out how we were going to get water. We had to figure out paths and tracks and terrain and navigation and and like everything everything we did had to be we had to use our own brains to do now granted i got some insight from some guys that um had hunted there before but at the same time i mean everything that we did was new and i thought that that aspect of it alone having to teach yourself and learn was was a huge takeaway for me yeah i i totally agree with that statement for sure yeah well, Definitely. I know that, I, I know you can't say yes or no right now because you might, you might be having some other, uh, you might be going on a different trip with your dad, uh, next fall, but is this something that you can see yourself doing again?
1: Oh yeah. Like I'm already debating if I should just put it on the calendar now and get <laughs> my feet <beating> now, but, <laughs> and just, and just put it up there, you know, but I, I, I was, again, I, I would go back in a heartbeat. I mean, it, it was. I had a blast. Like, like you said, the views—you you don't have enough time to like explain it. Like the views, everything—it's just—it just was awesome. It just was a blast. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna try to go again if we end up going again next year, the year after, whatever it is. I'm definitely—I'm very, very interested. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Well. So. Uh. Thanks for coming, man. I, I tell you what, I—I just—I can't get over how much fun. I had, we had some type one fun. We had some type two fun. Hell, we may even had some type three fun, uh, towards the end of that pack out. Uh, like having those questions of, am I going to make it? Am I going to, are my legs going to make it back to the truck? Uh, and, yeah. but I had, I, I don't know. It's just something I'm going to, I'm going to think about and I'm going to remember for a very long time and, uh, I'm going to enjoy the meat you gave me too.
1: Yeah, me too, man. It's, um, I, again, I had a blast and, and I'm glad we finally got to put a face. you know, finally got to meet, you know? Yep, um, yep. and, um, yeah, I think we got, I think we have a friendship now, dude. Yeah, I, right. I think it's legit. We're, we're BFF. <laughs>
0: we're bros. <laughs> we're
1: bros, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, man.
0: <laughs> now we just need some flat bill. We need some flat bill hats. You know, we got to have our own handshake. And I think we're going to be good to yeah. go.
1: We can make that happen pretty instantly, man. We we, yeah. we can we, we can make something work.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I don't I don't know if you can hear in the background right now, but I got one kid crying and another kid fighting with my wife and so when I got back uh from this trip uh just like reality back to reality here i am you know having to play dad again there's no crying babies out in south dakota there's no like piles of laundry there's like having to take (laughs) the trash out uh so you get those i think for a uh, specifically a man like i think men need that in their lives like i don't know i don't know about i can't speak for all men but i i need i need that i need that getaway to connect with nature and just live primal for not necessarily crazy primal, but live primal for you know a week or a handful of days just to get back to, I don't know where we came from.
1: Yeah, man. I went on a drive back. I was thinking, and my mind was so clear. Like nothing was. I had no stress. I just nothing was going through my mind, but just you know just the views and everything like it just my mind needed that break yeah like it really did and and like you said it's just something about being disconnected reconnects you with who you actually are you know and and i think you know having that nature and having you know hunting as as the option for us to do that just being outside for that extended period of time was 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 medicine that 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 i needed you know yeah. and and it, it I just felt like light on my feet, almost. You know, I just felt I felt very, very free, and it was um, it was an experience that I enjoyed, and looking forward to the next one.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. Um, well, Mr. Dan Spano, enjoy that meet, and uh, hopefully. Uh, oh, here's the question I wanted to ask you: When yeah. you shared your story with your boy, what did what did he say? Did he get excited about it? Did you show him pictures? What was the what was his reaction?
1: Oh yeah. So he, he, um, you know how four-year-olds are. You have to kind of really abbreviate that story right. <laughs> because he's not going to pay attention for too long, but yeah, I showed him a picture and I, I said, you know, me and I showed him a picture of you and, and, uh, said me and this fella here, we, we, uh, we woke up really early and we got to a high point. We got our binoculars out cause he has a pair of binoculars that he uses. And, uh, um, we spotted this, steer and daddy and his, his buddy went over and chased it and daddy was able to, to uh to make a good shot on it and we got to meet and everything like that so he was um he just wanted to see the photos and he, his face was was pretty was pretty jacked you know he's pretty he was pretty excited but now i'm i ha- am i have him watching youtube videos of like mule deer <laughs> hunting and elk hunting and he, he you know it's funny he's like he's like into it yeah and he, I, I usually put it on and he's kind of like eh. Now he's like he he won't move from the screen. He's like, Daddy, what's that noise? Daddy, what's this? Daddy, what's that? Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. So he's asking a lot of questions, and and uh, he was he was stoked about it. And uh, um, we're probably gonna have some meat tonight. I'll, I'll probably cut him some slices tonight, and uh, we'll be uh, we we'll sharing that meat, you know. Awesome. Starting the next one, you know, getting yeah. getting him up on, on the on the right foot.
0: So absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah, dude. Well, Mister Spano, thanks again for coming along. Congratulations on a giant and. Uh... We'll talk to you when we talk to you.
1: Sounds good, brother. Thanks again, man. I really do appreciate it, buddy. Be good.
0: And the sound of a crying child means that this episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast is over. Huge shout out to Dan for taking time out of his day to finish up this podcast with me. Uh, Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Vortex, Prime, Lone Wolf, Ripcord, Wasp, Ozonix, Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because when you support them, then they can support me and I keep putting out badass content for your ears. Other than that, make sure you are subscribed to iTunes or wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Leave a review. Follow on social, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Not only the Nine Finger Chronicles, but the Sportsman's Nation as well. And uh, yeah, I... You know, Western hunting is now officially over for me, and we are going to be focusing heavily on whitetails. I mean, absolutely heavily on whitetails now. And uh, the rest of this, uh, you know, the rest of the month of October into November, we're going to be talking about strategy. We're going to be talking about. Uh, things that you may be able to do a little different uh, to get on maybe a mature deer or accomplish your goal whether that's fill the freezer or uh, kill the biggest buck of your life or the oldest buck of your life or to go out and maybe just have some fun instead of putting so much pressure on yourself and uh, so we're going to be talking about all of these things in the upcoming weeks and uh, we'll scratch that itch definitely for you guys other than that, hopefully everybody has a good rest of the week. Go out and before this rut hits and we all start spending a ton of time in the tree, uh, go spend some time with uh, some family and uh, share the love a little bit. Then you then you can go out and disappear and be a shitty husband and father for <laughs> for a month. And uh, and then the last thing is, if you're going to be in a tree, man, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good one.